We're so glad you've joined us. Right now, it's Barry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. For many years of my life, even though I had experienced the overwhelming love of Jesus so many times, in spite of this, when I imagined Jesus looking at me, he was frowning on me. But as he did his healing work in my life, as he continued to pursue me with his love, I realized that I had been looking at Jesus through the shame of all my failures. In fact, Jesus showed me this, that I was looking at him through my shame. This was the work of the enemy in my life, certainly in part. It's what he does. He attaches lies to our sins, our failures, our worst moments. He'll say, Jesus could never accept you. He could never excuse that. That's unforgivable. But once Jesus showed me that I was being lied to and that I was looking at him through my shame, I chose to believe what his word says about me, that he sings over me, that he's smiling on me. I encourage you to memorize Zephaniah 3.17. It's about God singing over us. He actually sings over his children. So over time, I've begun to believe it. Now when I imagine Jesus looking at me, even if I am having feelings of shame, you know, it's human to have feelings of shame. Even then, I know he's smiling. And so it's just been a great healing work in my life. I think that's the, I think that's the journey and the beauty of regularly being in Scripture is, you know, at first it may strike you as through the lens of which you're seeing yourself, like, how could God love me? How could he forgive me? Like, how could he have a plan for me to advance the kingdom of God and be a part of what's going on? But the more that you hear, you know, the truth of Scripture, the more that you actually start to kind of come in agreement Mm. with God. Like, this is actually true. God does have good plans for me. It, 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 it seeps its way into all the cracks and it starts to kind of yeah. influence your own thinking. Yeah, because we agree with the lies for so long. Oh, yeah. And then we have to start agreeing with the truth. And it's not just about who we are. You know, the enemy lies to us about who God is. Mm. And we got both of those things. You know, we know we're not worthy of being loved or all that lovable. We know all of our dark moments and where we fail. And so we've got that going on, our own self stuff. But then the enemy tells us that God, you know, isn't someone who could love us either. So right. we got both those coming at us. Yeah. And when you're going through suffering, you know, the enemy will attach his message to the suffering as well. And mm-hmm. so he just, he is a, he is a ruthless enemy and the word of God through the spirit of God can set us free, does set us free. Jesus is in Capernaum. One of the synagogue leaders, Jairus, falls at Jesus' feet and pleads with him. I love this story. My 12-year-old daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she'll be healed and live. So Jesus goes with him. The crowds are pressing as he makes his way to Jairus' house. On the way, a woman who's been suffering from chronic bleeding for 12 years is pushing her way through the crowd toward Jesus. You probably know the story. The crowds are pressing as he makes his way to Jairus' house. This woman has spent all her money on doctors, but she's worse now than ever. But she's heard of Jesus' power and his love, and this knowledge gives birth to a plan. If I can just touch his cloak, I'll be healed. She's right behind Jesus. She reaches out, touches him. Instantly, the word says, 
the flow of blood stops. She's healed. And instantly, Jesus realizes that power has gone out from him and says above the noise of the crowd, who touched my garments? Which is crazy because everybody's touching Mm -hmm. him. But the woman comes trembling with fear and falls at his feet. It was me, Lord. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, healed of your disease. As Jesus says this to her, someone comes from Jairus' house. Jairus, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. It seems like Jesus has committed cosmic malpractice. But Jesus takes care of that too. He raises the 12-year-old from the dead. Jesus, quote-unquote, took too long to get to Jairus' house because he had something greater in mind to show his power over death. But he had this woman in mind. He had to do some healing work in her heart. And when he asked the question, you know, he knew that power had gone out from him. And so he said, who's touching me? And the disciples are like, everybody's touching you. What do you mm-hmm. mean? Who's Who touched you? But they were in a crowded space where people were bumping into one another. And there were a lot of people there. And a lot of the touches were just unintentional. They just happened by the circumstance. But this was an intentional touch. He's saying somebody mm. intentionally reached out and touched me. And it was it was that intentionality that Jesus was asking about. I want to know who intentionally yeah. reached out to touch me. Yeah, intentionally with faith. Mm-hmm. I recognize that somebody came toward me and at me with this insatiable desperation, you know. So Jesus took too long, quote-unquote, to get to Jairus' house because he wanted to do something in this suffering woman's heart. Uh, See, now the 12-year-old daughter had an advocate, a champion, her father Jairus. He came on her behalf. But this woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, she didn't have anybody at this point. She had to come on her own. She had no advocate. She had no champion. She had no one to call her daughter. And then Jesus said it to her, daughter. This is the only woman in the Bible that Jesus called daughter, according to the devotional Lectio 365. Mm -hmm. With that one word, Jesus named her as his own. You are mine, he said. I am yours. And it's so beautiful. Jesus names us. It makes me think of the, you know, Romans 8, like, who is for you? If if God is for you, who can be against you? Mm. You have an advocate. We have an advocate. Mm. We have a champion. Mm-hmm. We have a Boaz. Yeah. To go to a different story. Right. Read the book of the story of Ruth. She had lived 12 years of her life as an outcast. Because of the religious laws of the time, she had to live outside the community because of her ritual impurity. And I'm just thinking, holy imagination here, she must have looked at everything in life through the lens of shame. Yeah. You know what? Can I just talk about this lens real quick? You kind of opened up the conversation talking about this lens of shame, right? And this woman having a lens of shame. Um, Obviously, the analogy here is it's as if you've got a pair of glasses on and everything you see has to go through that understanding of a belief about yourself. And I think we all have, you know, something of that sort, a, a lie, if you will, that we believe um, internally about ourselves. And so 
everything that happens in our life, we see through that lens. Mm -hmm. And so when other people, if you, if everything you see is through the lens of shame, somebody might say something to you and in no way, shape or form have any intention of causing you to feel ashamed in that moment. But because those are the glasses you're wearing, that's the wound inside your heart. We take offense and Mm -hmm. we, you know, we feel ashamed in that moment. And so this, this lens is something that, that Jesus wants to remove, Mm. you know, take off of us so that we can see ourselves and others and him the way that he does. Mm. Makes me think of the lyric, I once was blind, but now I see, isn't that what Jesus does? He opens our blinded eyes. He removes the false lenses from us. Corrects, Mm. corrects our vision. Yeah. So Jesus said to her daughter, and that changed everything. That's when Jesus' smile broke through her shame. And listen to me. Jesus says to you, son, daughter, you are mine. I am yours. Not just you are mine, but Jesus gives himself to you. That shame you've been carrying has made you think that I'm frowning. But I bore your shame, my son. I bore your shame, my daughter, so that you can see my smile. I don't know if I like a great song best or the story behind the song. I guess put them both together. Yeah. And that's the magic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there I think when a song when a song like I feel like I could have written it or it just speaks to something that's going on inside my heart and in my life circumstances. That is what captures my attention. And then I want to know more. Mm-hmm. And so hearing this story, yeah, it'd be behind like, where did that come from for the artist? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sometimes and- it can really mess up what you had going on in your head. Sure, <laughs> Sometimes sure. it brings it home. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, one of the things on Perry and Shawna mornings, we play a good, we play six songs an hour. Now on a music station, you're going to hear probably 12 songs an hour. But that said, we, music is just a really important piece of our, of our morning show because we're trying to communicate the truth that we're talking about through the music. So absolutely. I just love this. So anyway, here's the uh, story behind the song Faithful God by I Am They. This song was a song that was inspired from a a story of one of our friends, Jane, and she was battling cancer and has been battling cancer for a while. And she goes to our church and my family and I had just kind of put her on our prayer list. And so each night we were praying for Jane and my kids would pray for Jane and pray for healing and believe for healing. She was such an inspiring person to obviously it's not the first person that I've known or followed who has battled cancer or who walked this journey, but she was such an inspiring person because throughout her story, through all these ups and downs, she just had this crazy resilient faith. And this one particular day, me and Abby were going to write a song with a guy we had never actually written a song with before. His name's Colby Wedgworth. We're here in Nashville. That morning, I saw that Jane had posted that she had been back into the doctor and she basically came back with the worst news she had had thus far, which was essentially, it's over for you. I'm so sorry. Like the cancer not only came back, but it spread everywhere. And there's no way we're going to be able to reverse this. 
and the doctors were basically just telling her your your life is over start preparing to die and obviously just putting yourself in that position it's just the worst possible news but for jane it pushed her like fuel on the fire of her faith and she just rose up with this resilient determined kind of angry faith that was just no i refuse to accept that and i believe that god is not done with my story and she posted the scripture from Romans. It's talking about Abraham, but it says, against all odds, Abraham believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. She put her name in parentheses next to Abraham and was just like, Jane believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. And so Jane is completely cancer-free. Yeah, man, we have been shouting praises. And my family, I mean, again, my kids... We're praying for Jane. Now we are praising the Lord for this testimony of complete healing for Jane. It's mind-blowing. But it's not even the healing so much that's the biggest testimony. The inspiring part is Jane's faith in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the fire. Like, you know, the chorus of the song, I'll sing through fire and thunder. Like, that was her story. She was still singing those words of faith over her life in the middle of the fire, in the middle of the storm. That's the biggest thing this song is saying. And I think the biggest encouragement isn't so much to just celebrate victory on the other side, but to recognize the beauty of faith that's being refined. You know, a couple things behind the story of this song, uh, Faithful God by I Am They. That was Matthew Heim of I Am They. So... One is that, you know, salvation, ultimately salvation is being in the presence of Christ when we die, but even more, it's living in the new heavens, in the new earth, in a resurrected body. That's the ultimate goal of salvation. But salvation is, is any way in which God breaks into our now as well. And so God wants to break into our now now. He doesn't always answer prayers like this. There's a mystery to that, but I can't give up on the fact that he does break in now and and do things. Yeah. I I mean, there is um, the kind of, I I don't remember exactly the word that he used to describe it like, but this angry, fierce, oh no. Yeah. Angry faith. Angry faith, right? Like I'm not accepting that. Um, Just in a very small way, I've seen that expressed in my family I got sick with something and went to the doctor for medicine and the doctor said, oh, this is really bad. We're seeing a lot of this. You're going to get worse before you get better and everybody in your household is going to get it. So just cancel your plans for the next two weeks. Came home and told my husband and he was like, yeah, no, that is a curse. Not accepting that and just began to pray Mm -hmm. over each of us, laying hands on each of us and praying over us for healing in Jesus name. And I got better. None of the kids got sick. He didn't get sick. It was just this understanding of, you know, but God, Mm -hmm. but God. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And the other thing uh, I'm thinking about this song is that what I love about her faith, you know, and she was healed, but to me, you know, she was kind of saying, whether I live or die, I'm going to believe God. Yeah. Because if he doesn't heal, if he doesn't heal now and we know Christ um, you know, we're going to be glorified. We're going to be in a better place. And, you know, and I think that that's, that's really faith. 
both ways. You know, faith is God demonstrating his power and breaking through. And faith is also saying, you know what? I surrender no matter what happens to me. I'm going to believe God. So have faith today, my friend. Well, just when you think you've got it all under control, you lose control. (laughs) So true. So the word of God speaks to us real time. If you've ever wondered, you know, you don't have a practice of maybe getting in scripture regularly and you're like, you know, it's just an old book. It was written a long time ago. I don't know how that's going to impact my circumstances real time. Whew. Have I got a story for you? So I was playing Catan last week, which is a board game that my family likes to play. It's it's the luck of the roll of the dice. It's strategy. Uh, the board changes every single time you set it up. It, there's different pieces and the way you put it together. It's never the same. And so it's always fresh. And it's just, it's a really fun game to play. So we were playing Catan. And a comment was made about a move that I'd made in the game. A comment that basically implied I had made a poor decision. And it bugged me, but I did what I do so well. I shoved it down deep and tried not to let it show. (laughs) And then the comment came up a second time and I got really mad. I think this time it was evident (laughs) that I was upset. And the third time it was mentioned, I lost it. I literally, I lost it. I was so angry. Blew up. We finished the game. But after the game, you know, once I had a chance to kind of cool down a little bit, I had to apologize for getting so rattled. I mean, it is just a board game for crying out loud. Why was I so upset? Curious. Why was it mentioned a second and then a third time? Was that sort of some trash talking there? No, I think it continued to be a frustration because the comment was made around the fact that I could have chose to block another player and instead I chose something that was going to feed my own resources so that I would have enough resources to be able to purchase things and get That's what I the needed. Point. And there, and, but, but it was, it looked as though, um, I wasn't being helpful to the overall stopping of another player. If that makes sense, you got to kind of know the game to understand. I know the game I and know I, you, you made the right choice. Anyway, I ended up winning the game, but that's not the point. Right. <laughs> I just had to throw that in. Lord help me with my pride. I did win the game, but I, I blew up you guys. I seriously did. So I had to apologize for that and, you know, recognize, yeah, it's just a board game and it really doesn't make a difference if other people approve of my decision that I make in the board game or not. Seriously, it's just a game. So fast forward, I'm up in the morning and I'm spending my time with Jesus and I just happen to be reading through the book of James right now with a small group of women that I read scripture with. We read the same scripture every day and then we get together once a week and just chat about what God's been teaching us. So I read James 4 and the very first verse is this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And I was like, what? It was, like, it was as if God made an edit, right, the night before after the Catan game and was like, I know Shauna's going to be reading James tomorrow, so I'm just going to slip this in there real quick so that she hears this. So I'm like, okay, God, I know you're getting my attention right now. I know this is you speaking to me. I know this is about what happened last night during Catan. So help me to understand what was going on there. And I just, I'm not the kind of person who can figure all this out just in my mind in a moment. So I have to journal. 
So I have this process that I go through and I just walk myself through it to help my help myself understand what was going on. So the first question I ask is what happened? And so I just named the facts, right? We were playing Catan, some comments were made, I got mad, I blew up. So the next question I ask myself is why? Why did I blow up? Why did it matter that they made these comments? And so in reflecting on that, I thought, you know, the message was you are stupid. And so I thought that they thought I was stupid. And then I was like, wait a minute. Actually, I think that I'm stupid. This is a a wound in me that, you know, from like childhood, that just poked a soft spot. And that's why it hurt the way that it did. Poked a bear. Yep. So I was like, okay, God, what's the truth? And James 1, 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all. And then Psalm 23 came to mind right away when I asked God, what's the truth? And Psalm 23 is, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. And those two scriptures combined, right? I started reflecting on times in my life when I need wisdom. And I asked God and God gave me exactly what I needed. And it was good. And I was confident in doing it because I knew that it wasn't my own idea. It didn't come from my own experiences or my intelligence or my training. It was God given. And I was like, oh yeah, this is good. And I'm going to do it. And I had total confidence in God. So then I asked myself, and as I'm journaling, what is God saying to me personally? And I just felt like, you know, without shaming me in any way, shape, or form, like in tenderness and love for me, like a good dad does, he said, you don't have to prove yourself. You don't have to promote yourself. You don't have to defend yourself. I'm your God, and you have all the wisdom that you need. So basically, this isn't about whether you're stupid or smart or make good choices or don't make good choices. Girl, you connected to the vine and you're going to be okay because I've got all wisdom and I've got you. Mm-hmm. So we're good. And he says, uh, you're my daughter. Yeah. That's your identity. Yeah. So in, you know, the final question that I kind of asked myself as I walk through this process is what am I going to do about all of this? What happened? How I responded? Why I responded the way I did? What God has to say about it? What's true out of all of it? And I decided that I should probably take a break from Catan for a while. I just think there's wisdom in that. Uh, not giving myself the opportunity to to get rattled like that again through that board game. But then also, the next time that I feel defensive or angry, I'm just going to ask God to reveal the battle that's within me instead of assuming that the problem is the comment that was made or the person out there and let God tell me what is true. And you know what? I think it's good to pause right now because you're pausing as a winner. There you go. <laughs> I'm going out on a high note. <laughs> good point. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> oh, I do. I'm a competitor. You retire when, you know, you, you retire after you win the championship. That's right. I love people who just put it out there. They're raw. They're real. They're not trying to put on a show or or live behind a mask. That's the way I want to be when I grow up. And Jordan Feliz is one of those guys. Had an opportunity to do a whole show with Jordan Feliz back in the day when he came out with one of his albums. But he's just that kind of a guy. And Jordan is with me, you and Shauna, this morning. My history over the last couple of years has been 
I've dealt with a lot of like really bad anxiety and stress and a little bit of depression. And I felt like I couldn't please anybody. I couldn't actually win at anything. It felt like as an artist, it was like you're never working hard enough, you know. And as a dad, you never are giving enough time. And as a husband, you don't have enough time. And I was traveling so much that I think I just kind of got lost, man. And just like really like started going down kind of this like very dark mental path. Just like I, I'm just a terrible person and I, you know, I'm a bad father. I'm a bad this, you know, and I just kind of started believing some of these things that I started speaking over myself. And dude, I kind of got to this place, man, where I just was not, just wasn't me anymore. This sounds crazy. I've really only had one of these moments like twice in my life. So this is one of two times that this has genuinely happened in my life. But last late summer, I had a buddy of mine who came over to the house and we were talking. I was telling him about all this stuff. And man, he literally, he was like, I want to lay hands and I want to pray for you right now. And so I was like, dude, let's do it. As believers, obviously, we believe in the power of prayer. We believe in the power that Jesus has given us. At the same time, there's always this human nature that creeps in that's like, prayer is so good and it's comforting, but it's not going to fix my problem. Like there's something in you that wants to, you know, believe that, you know, and that's just the enemy trying to cheapen what Jesus has done. So he literally lays hands on me and starts praying. And dude, he just started breaking off binds. I mean, and he was just naming like everything that I had dealt with. I'm getting goosebumps even talking about it because it literally, dude, like he just starts praying. And I started feeling like somebody was taking like 10 pound weights off my back. Literally, it just felt like all of a sudden stuff was just being ripped off of me. And I'm not even kidding you, bro. Since I got prayed over, I have not dealt with any bit of anxiety, no bit of stress, no bit of depression. I mean, it's just been gone. It was like somebody snapped their fingers and it was just literally gone. You know, sometimes God does that. Sometimes it's a process. Often it's a process of just daily coming to God with her anxieties. But we don't want to ever forget that God can break through. You know, heaven can break into our now. And, you know, it's not a formula. But we need to be willing to step out there and and pray for for our friends who are struggling and to ask for prayer when we're really struggling like that. Right. Ask, you know, in the script, there's a scripture that says if you ask and you don't believe, you know, you're like, you're just getting tossed around. You're double minded. You're this, that and the other. But asking, believing that God is the God who can do anything. Yeah. And even if you're struggling with unbelief, say, you know, be be like that one guy, Lord, I I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Sure. Total honesty before him and saying, I need you. I want you. Yeah. Because it's not about the quality of our faith. It's about the object of our faith. Right. You know? I'm reading through the book of James right now, and I love audio Bible. I have the Bible, the U version. I do audio devotions with Lectio 365. And one really, really fun way to listen to straight scripture is an app called Streetlights. It's very swaggy. It is very contemporary, current way to listen to scripture. Really, really well done. Groovy. Say that again. Groovy. It's groovy for sure, but I'm reading through James right now, and James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And this is just like James. He just doesn't use a lot of words. He doesn't sugarcoat, you know, things. He doesn't take a lot of time to open up a subject. He just 
goes for it. Yeah. You know, James does. So God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So C.S. Lewis um, recognized the struggle with pride once he became a believer in Jesus. And he says, during my afternoon meditations, which I at least attempt quite regularly now that I'm a believer, I have found out ludicrous and terrible things about my own character. One learns to know the sort of thoughts that do come. And will you believe it? One out of every three is the thought of self-admiration. When everything else fails, having had its neck broken, up comes the thought, what an admirable fellow I am to have broken their necks. I catch myself posturing before the mirror, so to speak, all day long. I pretend I am carefully thinking out what to say to the next pupil, for his good, of course, and then suddenly realize I am really thinking how frightfully clever I'm going to be, and now he will admire me. Mm. And then when you force yourself to stop it, you admire yourself for doing that. It's like fighting the hydra who always springs up a new head when you cut it off. There seems to be no end to it. Depths under depths of self-love and self-admiration. I think this is why in God's goodness, you know, he didn't say, okay, here's what you need to do. Step A, step B, and step C, and you're golden. Or here, take this with you and you'll be okay. He says, I'm going to be with you. Like, draw near to me, stay close to my heart, stay in relationship with me, constantly communicating with me, and we'll deal with these things as they appear. Mm-hmm. Because to just set us up and send us on our way, you know, is to set us up for failure. Yeah. Radio host Charles Morris says, we can just admit we have no life in ourselves. We can repent again and again and do it freely because we've been united to Christ. And so, you know, I think the challenge with pride springing up is, you know, just getting us into this, I got to try harder. I got to try harder to get rid of the pride and then... Like C.S. Lewis, like Lewis says, when we stomp it down, we feel good. We feel prideful about stomping it down. And so we just get caught in this this loop of trying harder. And what we need to do is just say, Lord, there's no life in me. You know, Paul said, there's nothing good in me that is in my sinful nature. The only thing good in me is the spirit of God. And so we can just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that pride, you know, has sprung up again. There's no life in me. And so Jesus, just fill me with your life because that's our only hope is the life of Jesus. Yeah. I mean, following this verse where, you know, James says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. That's verse six. Verse seven is submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God. And he will come near to you. Mm. You know, it's just an invitation to repent, to place your prideful heart before God and let him bring forgiveness and healing. Thanks for listening to Perry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.